12-sided stories is for mature audiences and often deals with topics that may be difficult for some listeners. Discretion is advised. In the city of dreams, everyone wants to be a star, but at what cost? 12-Sided Stories presents Otherworld Hollywood. This is Wes Otis, and this is Otherworld Hollywood, episode number three, our Call of Cthulhu actual play. I have some wonderful players with us. Let us start with Sam. Hello, hello, everyone. I am Sam Starr. I use she, they, and the occasional fey pronouns. And today I am playing Imani DeVoe, who uses she, her pronouns. Hey, y'all. I am Mac, and I'm going to be playing Lenore Von Mori, who is also known as Cass Richardson by her friends. And uh, I'm not sure any of these... Other characters count as her friends yet. Hey, I'm Lev. I use they, them pronouns. And today I'm playing Roberta Robbie Cerillos. Uh, they use they, she pronouns. Hi, everybody. I'm Candace. My pronouns are they, she, and I am playing Ebony Belafonte, she, her. Hey, I'm Michelle Otis, and I am playing Belle Bellington, who is definitely not going to be friends with anyone in this group. Before we start, please consider supporting the show through Patreon or on coffee.com spelled K-O-F-I. Now, on with the show. All right. So that leads us to a great point for a recap. In the last game, Robbie brought their giant horror script to Cut'em Films, where Danny Trent, the owner of Cut'em Films, wanted her to make several edits and work it down to something that wasn't 240 pages. He also gave them two days to do all these edits. And Jacques Couture, Cut'em Films' new down-and-out director, a week to film it. Meanwhile, Belle Bellington arrived at the studio looking for a story. Uh, Her photographer, Johnny Tort, gave her one from a picture of Henri Blanc and Cass Richardson's movie star boyfriend kissing another man at a club. She used this to blackmail Cass for a story. Later, Evie got to the Crow's Flight, a bar in South Los Angeles, and ran into Patty Wells, an old rival, who looked wonderful. She looked amazing, more wonderful than she should have, like 10 years younger, and she said it was because of a new lotion called New Day Rejuvenating Lotion. And she gave Evie a small sample size of it, like a couple of days worth of it, and said, you know, here, this is what I've been using. Meanwhile, at the studio, Robbie kept writing into the late night, and she met Penelope, who is the studio manager, and she was worried about Robbie getting any sleep, and Robbie was like, no, 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 I have to keep writing. And so she was like, okay, just lock up when you're gone. Belle retired to her home, and we kind of got a scene of Belle really not doing anything at home, cooking a small meal, watching some TV, kind of boring lifestyle, somebody that's not doing anything out on the town. Cass went home and told Henri what happened at the studio and was like, hey, uh, we should get married or at least say that we're engaged so that we can give Belle a story and then deal with it down the line. And that was the 
decision kind of taken was like, oh, okay, fine. After a lot of talking about blackmail into having to do this thing. Finally, Amane was going home, opened the door to find Trish there, her roommate from the bus stop. They had become friends and decided to split an apartment. And her former lover, Rose Ham from the old town, waiting for her. Rose told Imani that she had killed Roger, her husband, so that they could be together. That's where we ended the show. We pick it up actually a few years earlier. It's 1947 in a small radio station not far from where Cudham is today. Sitting in one wonderful studio is Juan himself and Belle, who are about to go on air for an interview. There is an in-studio audience waiting for the show to start, and suddenly the recording sign goes on. And Juan says, Welcome to Juan Wonderful's extravaganza, where we talk everything about Hollywood, what's going on, who's in the know, and today we have the wonderful Belle Bellington with us from Variety to talk about what's been going on in the city. Hello, Belle. It's so nice to have you here again. Hello. It's so nice to be here. Now, we've gotten several letters asking, how exactly do you come up with your stories? How do you get the information about the rich and famous that you are able to get? Well, Juan, I can't go spilling all my secrets on the air. <laughs> But I can tell you, it all lies in just making those relationships with the people in the know and getting them to trust you. And in turn, you trust them and they tell you things that are going on. Or, you know, you have other people who there's little whispers around town and you just follow up on them. Is there any particular subject that you don't report on that you feel might cross some kind of line with these people's private lives or... Do you feel that it's all just for the public knowledge? I feel that most of it is for the public knowledge. I think the, the public deserves to know. These people, they're admired and people want to know more about them. And I think it's a public service, really. Recently, you ran a report about Ebony Belafonte and Rick Gage and Yanni Gage and their relationship together. In it, you revealed that she had a relationship with Yana first and then when that relationship fell apart, she went and had a relationship with Rick. They both denied that completely. How do you, what proof do you have that such a torrid relationship actually occurred? Well, the kind of proof that I have is something you couldn't print in the papers. Two weeks after you printed that, Yana actually committed suicide. Do you ever wonder if there's any correlation between you printing that story and her death? It really is tragic that she did that. But the fact of the matter is, Juan, that she was already very depressed. Her career was on the wane. There was a lot going on behind the scenes. She had had problems for many years leading up to that point. I think it would have happened whether I had published that story or not. So you don't feel any culpability at all, you're saying? Again, it would have happened with or without me. All right, then. Well, this has been very enlightening. Thank you so much, Belle, for coming by and talking with us. And everybody remember that the best flower is all right flower. See you next time. 
All right, Flower. Thank you. Thank you for having a fucking ad sponsor like that. That was amazing. That was perfect. No problem. We're going to talk about the tragic death of this (laughs) this actress and then go right into the ad. (laughs) Because that's exactly what they fucking did. Yeah. Oh, I know. I can only imagine what that ended up being like. (laughs) It's like JFK's assassination. It's like, and the president was killed today. And if you want a bright Colgate smile, (laughs) you Colgate. And it's like, wait. Wait, hold on. Tone shift, please. (laughs) All right. So let's shift back to the future and go back to Monty's apartment. Rose has told you this information and you've taken her into another room away from your roommate. And she goes, yeah, I killed him. I I got rid of him. We can be together and start a new relationship out here, right? I mean, you did say that that you wish we could be together, but it just wasn't going to happen. Yes, Rose, I did say that, but I didn't actually mean that you had to. And she like gestures wildly to the information. He was he he wasn't any good. He he. I'm not saying he wasn't a jackass, but. You could have just left like I did. I just, I got so angry at him. We were arguing and arguing and arguing and the gun was right there. And I Did just... you at least bring everything? Like, please don't tell me you have it on you. You at least left it, right? The gun? No, I didn't want to leave it. It's in the car. Oh. Fingerprints and everything, right? Yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to do with that, but that cannot be here in my house. Trish will have a fit. All right. Um. Are you, you're not... No. You didn't replace me with her, right? I'm not. That's really not the problem right now, Rose. It might be a problem. It's not a problem right now, Rose. All right. Okay. Uh, are, you, are you hungry? Do you, like... Yeah, I'm starving. Okay. Um, We are safe here. Uh, we are far, far, far away from the bayou. Um, okay. And she like starts rummaging through her closet, trying to find, she doesn't know why she's fine, trying to find a disguise for her, but she's trying to find a disguise. It's just like, um, well, I have to work tonight. Trish works late, so you would probably be here by yourself. Um, I can't bring you on set with me. Okay. Out of, out of game real quick. Um, where are you working at night? Because we haven't had that scene yet where he asked you to do shoots yet. Oh, shit. Okay. I thought that already happened. That's my fault problem. Uh, let's see. Um, so you're not working tonight yet. You have all the time in the world with your former lover. Okay. Oh, that works out perfect for me. Um, okay. So we're going to, I guess I'll take her down to the diner. Uh, get some, yeah, to Lenny's, get some, go get some food. Uh, and then try to get her to eat she's such a slow eater but i need her to eat fast uh so i can go back to putting her in my apartment and so i can think of a actual solid plan correct yeah and get laid in the process so you're gonna sleep with her yeah that's the whole point of her being out here i can see that imani makes good decisions all right so (laughs) I killed my husband. Have sex with me. Um, this girl is never leaving your apartment. Like, she's never leaving. I hope you have a drawer for her and a toothbrush. Because she's never leaving. Yeah. you. She comes, is like, I killed my husband. And you're like, great, let's bone. You're, 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 you're her stuck. husband now. <laughs> you're her husband now. 
you take care of her now. <laughs> so, Just make sure you get rid of that gun and don't keep a gun around. Seriously, Literally, put it somewhere uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem for me. But right now I'm not thinking clearly. No, that makes sense. So, all right, you do all of that, uh, which is a lot, admittedly. We're going to fast forward to late night. All of you are sleeping. Even Robbie, who's on a ton of caffeine right now. Robbie, you find yourself standing on a pile of corpses and you're covered in blood and you have a sword in your right hand and you are about to run down into a mass of more people who are attacking each other in the streets. Several hundred feet away, Cass is punching Belle in the face, knocking her to the ground. Belle then tries to sweep Cass's legs out from underneath her. Both of you are full of rage as this melee of combat swirls around you. You just want to kill each other. Amani finds herself cornered with people rushing her and she starts to shoot and her gun jams as they come closer and closer and she can smell the blood in the air. Evie, you seem to be on the set of an old movie that you did a long time ago and you are punching Patty's face into the ground. It's just a pulpy mess. You have blood all the way up your forearms. And then suddenly, Robbie, you feel a shake on your shoulder and you wake up and you're in the studios. <sighs> well, uh, I need to write that down. Robbie starts writing down their dream as future writing fodder. Well, that was... <sighs> I need I need a walk. I need a walk to walk that off. Then I'll get back to it. You shouldn't have other people's dreams. Oh! Ha! Who are you? Why are you saying those words to me? Why do you know... What? Who are you? You look up and it's the guy who's always in the back of the room in the studio with a perfect suit on, black fedora with a red band... And he looks down at you and you can see the gun that he has in his holster underneath his jacket. He says, you shouldn't have other people's dreams. They're bad for you. I will say that's the first instance of how do you what? Why do you know? How do you know that? You shouldn't know what was in my head. It was in my head, not yours. He takes a cigarette out of his pack, his little silver cigarette case, puts a cigarette in his mouth, lights it. He says, you were screaming for two minutes. It wasn't hard to figure out. I, 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 I could have just been dreaming about those people. You, you don't know it was someone else's. It could have just been mine. Right, kid. Then he walks out of the room. Why are you here? What? Hello? Do you go out of the room or what do you do? Yeah, Robbie's fully going after him. <laughs> you come out of the room and you see that the sun is up, the stage door is open, and the set people are showing up, you know, the gaffers and the lighters and everybody are starting to set everything up. And it's probably about six in the morning. The guy walks away from you, goes to the coffee maker, pours himself two cups of coffee, and then walks back towards you and presents you with one. I don't drink coffee, despite the, like, 12 coffee cups splayed around where they were writing. I don't drink coffee. Right. Just keeps pushing it towards you. Try it. It's good for you. Thank you. How long was I asleep? Do you know? No, I just got here 30 minutes ago. I don't like you. I don't know if that's an un uncomfortable thing to say, but I'm just going to say it because you're a little disconcerting and I wasn't prepared to be woken up like this. You're always in the back of the room. Why are you always in the back of the room? Why don't you say anything? What's your deal here? Why are you here? I'm paid to be here. And you're not the first person not to like me. I'm okay with it. 
Okay, but why are you paid to be here? What do you do here? What's your profession? You're really asking me what my profession is. I make sure that everything runs the way that the owner wants it to run. You say everything in an extremely cryptic manner that gives absolutely no answers. Correct. Robbie starts scribbling on like a little notebook. Anyway, you've only got a day left to get this script done, so have at it. That's fine. I can, I can, I can do it. As they're still like taking copious notes about this man who they have no ideas. Good day. And he walks away. Wait, what's your name? Doesn't say anything. You s- Ah! This, this is not how I wanted this day to start. Penelope walks out of the trailer and notices that you're agitated. Uh, uh, what's wrong? Are you okay? Who's that? That guy. Who is he? Oh, him? He's the boss's enforcer. Uh, okay, that enforcer, like, like... They call him El Rojo. El Rojo? Uh-huh. Because of the... Does he not have a name? He doesn't talk. He talked to me. He did? Yeah, he... Penelope, it was so strange. He woke me up from a dream, and I... And I'd apparently been screaming for two minutes. And then he said I shouldn't have other people's dreams, which is an insane thing to say to someone when you've just met them and you don't know anything about them. And he said, you shouldn't have some other people's dreams. It's not good for you. And I said, how do you know that it was my dream? And he said, you were screaming for two minutes. And I could, and I said, it could have just been mine. And then he walked away from me. He just walked away from it. And then he gave me coffee. I don't, how long has he been here? How, like, do you know him? Like, he said he doesn't talk to you, but like to people. But like, do you mean that in like a colloquial sense? Like he doesn't talk to people as in he just kind of like stands in the back and you've never seen him actively speak to another person or like he doesn't have the capacity to speak. I've never seen him speak to anyone. Uh, he is, uh, 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 he gives off a certain aura that you don't want to mess with. So we just leave him alone. Oh, it's rancid. It's truly disgusting. I don't know what his deal is. I hate him. Yeah, that's a lot of people. I think that's the point, though. He gives off the impression that, yeah, he's used that gun, we know it, kind of impression. So the owner of the studio wants him here. I've argued with Danny to get rid of him, but Danny says he can't do anything about it, and I believe him. Well, if Danny can't do anything about it, then is, he, then, then is, then is Danny even really in charge if he can't do anything about him? Oh, we need to go somewhere else to have this conversation. Let's go across the street to the diner and get some food, okay? We'll talk about it. Actually, I didn't realize I'm really, really hungry. Can we actually, yes, let's actually go to the diner. I haven't eaten anything in a long time. Yeah, let's, let's get out of here. Walls have ears. No, they don't. They're just walls. It's a, it's a saying, sweetie. Oh, got it. I understand. That's okay. Come on, let's go. Okay. As you're walking out, he tips his cup to you as he goes out and just drinks. I throw my cup in a trash can as I pass it by. Okay. Having drunk none of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's jump over to Lenore or Cass or the vamp. You sit up straight out of bed. You're covered in sweat and you look down at your hands and they are red with just looks like impressions of something in your hand. You look at your knuckles and your knuckles look like they have been bloodied and torn at. And you you just, you feel like you had been in a boxing match. And all you can think about is fighting with Belle in the streets. Henri is next to you asleep. It has to be a dream. I can't. And I'll look over at Henri and make sure that uh, he doesn't look beat up. He does look like he took a couple of hits. He's breathing, but he's not responding to when you shake him a little bit. Henri, 
Henri, please wake up. Oh, oh. Oh, thank God. Oh, I got a horrible headache. Ah, am I bleeding? Why do I have blood on the back of my head? I, I, I don't, I, I think it might have been me, darling. What? I, I, I was asleep and I was having this nightmare and and my my knuckles and I don't well I have to tell you that this is not how a future wife should act ah uh, can I get some aspirin and a bandage maybe yeah 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 and um she's gonna hop out of bed and go like rush for the medicine cabinet and you know just like pulling everything out that they could possibly need and comes back with like a bundle of stuff in her arms okay 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 what was the dream about you're going to love this uh Beating the hell out of Belle Bellington. Okay, that, that that tracks. I get that. That makes sense to me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, I it must have been so intense. I don't remember anything. I just, I was asleep and then I was more asleep. I don't know how to explain it, but it, uh, waking up wasn't pleasant. Uh, I, you know, mm, I think you're right. I think we need to, to announce that we're going to get married. Uh, just... We'll announce it. We'll ride the wave for a little bit. Hopefully, things will die down and Belle will smell other blood in the water somewhere else. I mean, hopefully. And uh, and I'll take care of the arrangements. I have ideas on how we can make it up to Belle's standards so that she gets her big story. Look, I'm probably never going to get to be part of a wedding in my entire life again. So I would like to be a part of it, at least pick out flowers and things like that. Well, seeing as I just uh, almost beat the hell out of you. Uh, I think you beat the hell out of me. I think you, you got there. You got there. But I understand. Ah, fuck. <laughs> whatever you want. Okay. I, 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 want, I want a Bloody Mary. That's what I want. And a Bloody Mary you shall have. And she rushes off to the kitchen to go make a Bloody Mary. Evie, you wake up after a horrible dream of combat and fighting just like everyone else, but there's nobody in your bed for you to beat up on. So tell us what your morning is like. I think Evie wakes up in a sumptuous king-sized bed, silk pillowcases, really beautifully done comforter. It's clear that she hasn't really wanted for anything in some time and that things are getting a little desperate. She has a silk scarf like wrapped around her head to protect her hair. And she has like a little sleeping mask that matches. And I think when she wakes up, she's kind of covered in a patina of down feathers. One of her pillows is torn to shreds. Two of her fingernails are broken, perfectly manicured fingernails, just done. And she kind of sits up and puts on her very stylish but secret glasses and surveys the damage, calls to her dog, Buttercup, Buttercup, please. Mommy needs love. And kind of just like cuddles the dog, immediately lights a cigarette. Buttercup jumps up on the bed because you've left a little box for her to jump onto and then jumps on the bed and runs around like a bunch of times. This is like ball of energy and runs over to you and starts licking. I rub her little Pomeranian face, kind of smooch her nose. And then I think Evie gets up. She's had to do away with the help that she's had because she's not making enough money. So she puts on a silk kind of like nightgown, like a little nighty, and then has like a long kind of draping, flowing marabou feathered robe over that and goes to make herself a cup of coffee. It's full of grounds because she doesn't know how to do it. 
I think she stands there just staring at the bottle that Patty gave her, smoking the cigarette and drinking this coffee and trying to wrap her head around what's next. All right. Well, you sit there and you stare at it for a little bit and your eggs start to overcook. They have a few shells in them as usual, but, you know, no big deal. It was always so much easier when Carl was here to do everything for you, but he's gone now. It was tough. He had been with you for so long. Maybe soon you'll be able to rehire him if the stars align. Yeah, it's sitting there. Do you put it into your routine today of getting ready to go into Cutham? I think she does. I think she kind of uh, gets through her breakfast and then snatches the bottle with a little too much force, does her ritual. She gets up, she takes a shower, she coiffs her hair, then sits in front of her vanity and does her morning preparations. When she gets out of the bath, she does a cold shower beforehand to close all her pores and tighten everything up. And when she sits down, she looks at herself in the mirror and gives like a little like mantra speech before taking a deep breath. And what's the mantra speech? The mantra speech is you're a tough bitch. You've been through worse. You'll get through today. Nice. (laughs) Sorry, I had to ask. (laughs) (laughs) She dips into the container and just kind of braces herself and then puts this on her face. It absorbs really easily. You get your neck, you get your face. You probably put a little on your hands and your forearm kind of thing. And you look at yourself for a minute and doesn't look any different to you. You're like, okay, now you've gotten ready. You've given Buttercup food. You've taken her for a a walk. Something Carl used to do as well. And you've gotten in your car and you've made the 20 minute drive through traffic to cut him films. Okay, Belle, you wake up with a massive headache, big ass bruise on your upper shoulder after having a huge fight in your dream with Cass. It's like you were flailing around in the bed and didn't wake yourself up or something. I I look at the bruise, I'm like, ah, well, I may have had one little too many last night, injured myself. Ah, I'm going to go get some ice. (laughs) And I get some ice and... You know, I start doing my morning routine and... The phone suddenly rings. Hello? It's your editor. So, how'd it go and cut him yesterday? Well, it went quite well and I'm going to have a story for you by the end of the week. End of the week? You know, we're like... Okay, we have... I was hoping you'd give me something today. It's Thursday. I'll have it for the Friday edition. Okay, but don't be late and it better be juicy. Don't you worry. I just don't want you getting soft in your old age. (laughs) Fuck you. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Fuck you too. (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. Oh, all right. Amane, you wake up and Rose is on top of you, straddling you. And she has bruises on her chest and like a gash on her face. And she says... What happened last night? It was wonderful. You lost all control and it was wonderful. I think she just like grabs her face and is like looking at it like, what the fuck? Like, I'm kinky, but not that kinky. What What the hell? You don't remember doing any of this? Nothing to your face, darling. But, oh, that's weird. We were in the middle of things and you just kind of took the reins and went off. And then you fell asleep once you were finished. That's typical. It is, unfortunately. 
but I, darling, I don't think I would ever do anything to your face. Oh, I'm okay with it. If it was wonder, it was great. That's that's not okay. You should not be okay with that. Look at you, and like gets up, gets her off of me, and wraps the towel or the sheet around me. Goes to the bathroom. So you go and you you get yourself more composed. And then you come back out and she's starting to get dressed. She goes, I think I'll go out and I'll get myself some kind of, I don't know, job. There's got to be like a Piggly Wiggly or something around here. Darling, there's no Piggly Wigglies here. That's just back home. Like, I can't sit here all day. I got to I got to do something. I know that. Just for right now, lay low. You can lay here. I will tell Trish what she needs to know first and then... You just lay low. I need more time to think. And honestly, darling, you're clouding my judgment right now. Um, so I will, yes. And then uh, Imani will turn and like, you just hear the shower start running. It's like, I'm just going to get ready for get ready for the day. So you get ready. She stays in the room while you're getting ready. And as you're walking out of the bedroom into a common area, Trish is sitting at the table with saucer-like eyes, just sitting there looking at your bedroom door. I will go over bright and chipper uh, like it's just a regular day and start making coffee. I look in the fridge, see there's not much in there, but there's some bread and butter. So I guess it's toast this morning. Just makes like some toast and some coffee doing everything in her power to completely ignore the look on Trisha's face right now before she finally sits down with her coffee and toast and like crosses her legs and just looks at Trish intently. Say what you gotta say. Oh, I'm sorry. I I don't know what to say. Your friend will be staying with us. I'm taking it. She kind of disassociated for a second and came back and was taking it and was like so... Uh, my friend needs a little bit of time right now. Uh, she doesn't really have any place else to go or know anybody here outside of me. So if it's all right with you, she can stay here for, if she's all right, like I said, uh, if she can stay here for a little bit, I need to get my bearing and figure out what to do from here. I, I, I'm fine with that. Um, what's your, are you... I heard some things. And Mm. what's your relationship? Beg pardon? They were loud things. I'm just, I'm confused. Um, and I think Imani looks lost for a second. She's like, uh, how do I explain that? Very loud neighbors kept us up all night. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was you because I kept hearing you scream, take it, take it, take it. (laughs) Over and over again. <laughs> Wait, that broke me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Kept hearing. You That's why I said it. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Wes. Um, okay. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I was having a rather rough dream. Oh, okay. Um, more like a nightmare. Uh, I'd rather not get into the details right now. But um, I think that might have been what you heard once I finally was able to get to sleep. Your friend's welcome to stay here. Uh, I just was concerned. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, of course. I have to go to work now. Please, um, yeah, she'll be here. And at some point, um, we will figure out what it is that we need to do personally. And she takes another sip of her coffee. I understand. And Trish grabs her apron because she works at Lenny's and says, I'll see you in a bit. I've got auditions later today. Good luck on the set. Uh, um, very much the set. Where you work at Cutham, right? Uh, yeah, but it's just like off over on the side. I'm not. You're not on, you're not on screen? Uh, hopefully I will be one oh, day. Oh, okay. Well, good luck. Uh, but as for right now, I gotta, you know, pay my due diligence and work my way up from the bottom. I understand that. Big Daddy said life ain't life without hard work, so. All right, well, have a great day at work, um, and I'll see you later. I'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Take care now. And I will rush back into my room and slam the door shut. Okay. <laughs> So let's jump back over to Robbie, who's at Lenny's. What kind of meal did you order? Robbie has ordered three plain biscuits without gravy and a side of bacon. And our, it is slathering the biscuits with as much strawberry jelly as they can. Awesome. I was praying you were going to say syrup, and then you said jelly, and now my stomach hurts. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, syrup? What? <laughs> Yes, syrup. for honey. Fresh country made biscuit. Listen, my grandma made the best country biscuits and it didn't need sausage or none of that. It was just just a little bit of syrup. Hand clap. (laughs) Love that lady. I wish I wish I liked that. (laughs) I genuinely (laughs) do. There's been so much of my life that I'm like. I wish I could deal with that texture flavor combination. <laughs> I can't. That's fair. That's so fair. <laughs> sausage gravy, so it's all right. No sawmill over here for me either. So Penelope gets her food and she goes, well, okay. Cutham is not owned by Danny. He runs it. His name's on everything. But he is up to his ears in debt to the mom. Oh. Yeah. And the guy that you're talking about, he is there to make sure that the mob's interests are taken care of. What are the mob's interests? Money. Plain and simple. That makes sense. Lots of money. They really chose poorly then. They're doing other things, not just making bad films. That's a front. Okay. They wash money through the studio, and then at night they are doing pornographic pictures of people. No way. Yeah. They sell them and make a boatload more money than the movies do. The movies make a loss. They take it out on taxes. Danny really doesn't have much control, but he has to make sure that the movies keep flowing in order to help pay off his debt. Fascinating. Is there any chance that by working for them, we are in danger of being... um... Accomplices? Yes. Our names aren't on anything except for the work we're doing. No, I I don't see that. Is this a secret? Between you and I. Oh, so like no one else knows this. Very few people know it. The people who are working on the night side of it that are doing the pictures and stuff, they're, they're in with the mob as well. So the people who know are dangerous and you should try to give them a wide berth. Okay. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to make this better in my head. And I really can't. This is bad. This seems not good. There is no way to make it any better. It, it is what it is. People work at Cutham. 
to either establish themselves or keep their heads above water. And you get out as soon as you can. You know, I said last night that Danny only cared about making money and that was a bit harsh. He, he does care about his crew. He's just focused on not getting his legs broken. And if hypothetically, not saying this will happen, but just hypothetically, if someone outside of the studio found out about this, that would be dangerous and bad, yes? Would that be bad for Danny or would that be bad for everyone? I think it might be bad for everyone, but I, I don't know what the fallout would be. What would be the end goal? Are you trying to get the mob out of Hollywood? No, 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 no. I don't. The mob, the mob is going to do whatever the mob wants to do because that's what the mob has always done, right? Right. And the mob is in, it, their fingers are in lots of pies, metaphorically. I don't think they put their fingers in pies, but metaphorically, I think their fingers are in pies. I, I, I follow you. Yeah, I got it. So I was just curious. It was just a hypothetical and not steeped in any planning whatsoever. I see. Okay. Okay. Just... Watch out for the dude. Just stay away from him. As you have already know, he's bad news. Well, I was planning on it, and then he started talking weird to me. So I have the unfortunate desire to ask him what the hell's up with him. I'll do my best to curb it, though. Yeah, fight that desire. I don't think it's a good thing to do. I don't either, but also I'm desperate for knowledge. So you guys eat, and I'm going to say that everybody shows up at Cutem at different times. And, Belle, are you going to go there and just kind of hang out and watch what's going on and take notes? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching. I'm listening. I'm walking around, you know, just kind of hovering and listening to conversations and, you know. Yeah. Not standing out so much, but just kind of there. You know what? For fun. Let's do a stealth roll to see if you can kind of blend into the background. Alrighty. Okay. Just made it 42 under my 45. Okay, cool. So yeah, you're just kind of flittering between the different things going on and taking notes. And Johnny, your photographer, is taking pictures every once in a while. And, and those you can hear, the crackle of the bulb going off as the picture's being taken. And Belle is just, you know, she's being a little tender on that bruising. Okay, so when Cass shows up, you see her from across the room and you start to feel yourself getting angry. Yeah, I just look at her and I don't know if our eyes meet or not. You suddenly feel like the back of your neck is prickly, Cass, and you too feel angry. You haven't spotted Belle yet. I tug a little harder on the black mesh driving gloves that I'm wearing today. Okay. Covering my knuckles. <laughs> okay. And finally, you all show up. You're off to the side. And then suddenly, Evie shows up. And she walks through the door in this stunning outfit she's about to tell us about. And she looks 15 years younger. She looks young and put together and beautiful. Now, she was beautiful yesterday. But this is different. There's this radiating glow coming off of her that is definitely more than just the sun coming in through the studio doors. Tell us what you're wearing, Evie. 
Evie enters dramatically. She wears a large, oversized, kind of brimmed hat that's black, like a large black straw hat that kind of dips in the front over her face. Her hair is kind of coiffed up in like two big victory rolls in the front with kind of a long, kinky, curly kind of train down the back with his hair. She has on a very classic red lip, not much makeup. In her mind, she was trying to kind of do a little bit less, kind of not sure how this was going to work out with her skin. She has her whole kit with her in case she needs to pack anything on in case there's a breakout of any kind. She's kind of pulling it along with her in a rolly kind of case, like a little trunk. And she's wearing a very form-fitting sweetheart neckline pencil dress, like a little wiggle dress with a belt cinched in at the waist. Half of it is black and half of it is white. And she has white little pumps on her feet and black Cuban heel stocking. Nice. And now you all know why I asked Candace to tell us what she was, because she delivers. <laughs> every time. Every time. Every time they deliver, every single yeah. freaking time. Yeah. <laughs> so you walk in, the sun behind you, Jacques Couture turns around and sees you and gasps out loud, comes over and goes, Evie, what have you done? You, you look stunning. Never underestimate the power of a good night's sleep, Jacques. Well, this changes everything. I, you, I don't think such a, such a well-known face and so, so put together, I might, hmm. I know you read for the, for the older part, but I think you might be good for the younger part. And that's where we're going to end this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I have had a blast. Thank you to all our wonderful players. Let's see where all these people are and where you can listen to them in other forms. Let's start with Lev. Hey, I'm Lev. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on Twitter until it dies at Lego M2RS. If you want to hear more of my silly little characters, check out Mayday Roleplay. That's where I'm usually hanging around. I've run a couple games. I'm in all of our games. It's great. It's a good time. Lots of queer chaos. I'm also on Crossroads Games with Carrie Smith a lot. And if you play Oxenfree 2, you might hear a similar little voice from a similar little guy. Hey, y'all. I have been and will continue to be Mac Beauvais. You can find me online as at Strange Like That. Twitter for now, Instagram, Facebook, threads, and imprinted behind your eyeballs. Hello, everyone. I am Candace. You can find me at that Candace girl on Twitter as long as it's a thing. Uh, you can find me uh, at Candace Marie on Blue Sky and at Candace Magnificent pretty much everywhere else. If you'd like to see more of my work, please check out Crossroads Games, Live from the Apocalypse, and Matihi for more awesomeness. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Sam Starr. I use she, they, and the occasional fae pronouns. And you can catch me all over the internet at least as long as you know, Twitter survives. But you can also find me on Blue Sky uh, and other social media platforms at Lust for Life X. And as of right now, you can continuously catch me every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Transplanner RPGs Twitch channel, playing a main cast member in their second campaign, The Chaos Protocol. So lots of gay trauma, gay grief, gay revenge, gay rage and gay healing and a bunch of other mess in between. That's me. I thumbs up like you could see me. You can't see me. It's a podcast. We've all done that before. <laughs> I did it this episode. When I, yeah, so. Hey, I'm Michelle, and you can find me on the socials at Mishulu. That's M-I-C-H-U-L-H-U. 
And yeah, I'm still on Twitter, but I also joined Threads so I could at least claim my username, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> but you can also find my music and Wes's amazing sound effects if you subscribe to the Plate Mail Games catalog through BattleBards. And I am Wes Otis. You can find me at Plate Mail Games. I am over on Threads as well as Twitter or X. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a fun time with our show and we will be back in a couple of weeks. And I should also mention that you can join us on Patreon or Coffee if you want to help out the show. We would love that. It helps out a lot. Or give us a review or give us a shout out on social media, whichever social media you're on. And uh, yeah, so have a great, great week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.